I, I don't get this all the time. Usually the fellowship that I have is with a couple of buddies that I work with, and it's the same little crew no matter where we go. And that's great, and I'm very appreciative of that. But when you get to expand that, um, and, and you've introduced me to so many people in here, I love that fellowship. I think that's so great. And to ultimately, I think more than anything, that's what we're here for. It's to have that fellowship with each other, treat each other well, make sure that everybody's good. How can I help you? you how can you help me? That kind of thing. And it's just good to have that, have that community. Welcome to the Burning Questions podcast, where each episode, we curate conversations about smokes, stories, and substance. If you haven't already done so, visit burningquestionspodcast.com to subscribe to this show and to share its episodes with others. I'm your host, Davis Lacey. And since this is our first episode in 2024, let me take the opportunity to wish you a belated Happy New Year. This podcast is hosted by the LJ Cigar Lounge in beautiful, historic downtown LJ, Georgia. You can learn more about us by visiting our website, LJCigars.com. 2024 got off to a great start for us because for the second year in a row, we had the opportunity to welcome Ben Ingram to the house. Ben serves as the lead play-by-play voice for the Atlanta Braves Radio Network. He was kind enough to take time this offseason to make the trek up to LJ, not only to feast on some Biggins barbecue and preview the 2024 season for us, but also to share some stories and fellowship with our people. This week, as pitchers and catchers begin to report to spring training, enjoy this special episode of the Burning Questions podcast. Ben, welcome to the LJ Cigar Lounge, man. I'm glad that you're back. Me too. Me too. Um, I actually thought about last year's event a lot. Um, over the course of the season and such. You gave me a hat, which I wear regularly, and, and I would think about that night a lot of times when I'd wear it. And this is, I said this last year, this is a really special place. You can tell that the first time you walk in the door. And what makes a special place is special people. And I felt like that last year. So it's great to have you all back this year. I'm so happy to be here and hanging out with you guys tonight. What you smoking tonight? This is one of the Ashtons that Carson was talking about. This is the cabinet. Um, was this cabinet number four? Is that what you said? Yeah, this thing is great. Really smooth draw. Highly recommend. Fantastic, man. That's great news. That's great news. Um, well, tell me this, and this is for the audience, actually, before we get into tonight's conversation. I've heard this from a few folks. I just want to see a show of hands. How many of you, since Ben was here with us last year, have tuned in more to the Braves radio network than you did a year ago. Raise your hands. All right. Even Kevin back there. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. How many of you feel like you are more engaged with uh, the Braves as a team and Ben as a person based on him being here last year? Yeah, 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 yeah. A few folks. So you're doing good work. We appreciate you sharing it with us. Well, this team gives us a lot of good things to talk about, so that makes us sound a lot better when we're bringing positive news. So that's good. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so it's been about 12 months since you've been here with us. Uh, what are some of the best cigars that you have smoked? I guess I should phrase it that you remember smoking, yeah. right? Uh, right. At, at some point over the past 12 months, man. Share those with yeah. us. Um, I, I, I tie cigars a lot of times to moments. I mean, it, it's, it's great to smoke a cigar, but I think a lot of times you smoke a cigar because of who you're with or where you are. Um, I think the best cigar that I smoked this year, I was, I'm a big Ole Miss football fan. And when I get to football season every year, I have one big weekend every single year where I go back to Mississippi and me and all my buddies have a huge weekend. Um, and, and that's, that's the weekend. That's our blowout. 
and you just hope that the football team wins. Sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't. This year they beat Texas A&M, and we had some cohibas after that game, and it was just a more of a situation of I'm with my buddies, we're hanging out, and this is just a great moment. Um, I know that uh, one of my favorite moments of this year happened in December. My parents have uh, a farmhouse on about 140 acres in Choctaw County, Mississippi, and anytime I get to go home for Christmas and, and everybody makes it, that's a big deal. My brother lives in Idaho, so sometimes he has to pick between Thanksgiving or Christmas which one, which one he's going to make. This year he made both. And one of my favorite things to do, whether we, you know, we're shooting clays or squirrel hunting or whatever we may be doing during the day just to waste some time, we always build a big bonfire. And um, we're hanging out smoking cigars behind my parents' farmhouse. And it's one of my favorite things to do all year. Uh, it was Rocky Patel's that night. And that's the, to me, those, that's what stands out. When I first saw that question, heard that question, it's the event that's tied to the moment. And so you could have a great cigar, but I'd rather have it with people that I'm enjoying uh, in an event or whatever that may be. And for me, getting to sit around the fire behind my parents' house with my brother is as good as it gets all year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, do your parents smoke with you? They do not. Okay. They do not. They Do you have to hide it from your parents? That's no, a real no, no, question. No, they, okay. they, they, they gave up on us a long time ago. They, uh, there, there was a lot of discipline in my house growing up. My father was a pastor. My mom's a teacher. So the, the discipline level was through the roof, which we remind them of regularly. But, um, no, they, they will come hang out with us. But they don't – no drinking and no smoking for mom and dad, just the sons. I got to uh, – my grandparents celebrated 60 years of marriage this Jan- or a couple Januaries ago. So I guess it was shortly before you came. And I can remember sitting, my grandfather used to smoke a pipe. Yeah. And he doesn't smoke anymore, but he loves the smell. And it's something to do with his health insurance. Like if he's a tobacco user, he loses his Georgia teacher's pension, health insurance, or whatever it is. So he doesn't smoke, but he's told me, like, I wish that I could. And it was so neat to have my grandfather, who has just been so formative in my life, sitting around the fire with us. And he wasn't smoking, but my uncle and my dad and my brother and my brother-in-law, basically, sitting around the campfire smoking cigars. Mm-hmm. It's a great time. Yeah, it is. It's a great time. Tell me, what are some of the neatest places that you've gotten to smoke since you've been with us last time? I know LJ Cigar Lounge is at the top of that list. Yeah, so, it was number one. <laughs> so, so you can, you know, big cabin between number one and number two, but g- give me your, your other handful sure. of places you can remember this past year. Now, two places stand out. Uh, one was at spring training. As uh, our, our spring, I don't know how many of you have been down to our new spring training facility. It's if you're a big Braves fan, if you're a baseball fan at all, spring training is so much fun. And I tell people all the time who have kids or if you're looking for autographs, spring training is a place to do it. It is. Uh, the players are so much more accessible, and it's just a relaxed atmosphere. Well, our spring training facility used to be on the Disney campus in Orlando, which I absolutely despise with every fiber of my being. The traffic was terrible. Every restaurant was a chain restaurant. It was just awful. We have moved to Northport, Florida. So we're in between Sarasota and Fort Myers on that west coast of Florida. You can just jump, jump on to 75 and go straight south. Uh, we're about eight miles inland from Venice Beach. And there's a great pier there. We have great sunsets being on that west side. And me and some of the guys that I work with, we've bought a tent through the years. we got all this beach gear that we put in storage down in Florida. So when we have off days, we're going to the beach. And that is such a great spot to light up a cigar and watch the sun go down. And it's just kind of a, a beginning of what's about to come. Uh, every season to me is its own separate odyssey through an eight, eight and a half month, hopefully nine month period of time. 
where that starts everything. And, and it's a reminder to me of how really blessed we are to have the crew that we have. And I'm not just saying that. There's a bunch of people who do what I do who are working with some really lousy human beings. Uh, we don't have that. We've got some great people uh, on our side, on our team, and especially for the radio. Nothing is, I love the TV guys, but we're, our radio guys are with each other all the time. We call every single game from spring training all the way through the last game of the season. And it's a grind, but it's a fun grind. So I think any time you get an opportunity to do that at spring training, especially in a venue such as that, that's a great place because I feel like we do that every single year. Also, I think the first thing that we look at when the – season starts or when the schedule comes out is we're looking at where are our off nights throughout the season and there are some cities that you're hoping it, jp shadrick's here by the way is one of my best friends and i just saw that you walked out. i knew you were gonna make it but i'm glad you're here um there are there are places that um are just better for off nights than others chicago is one of them and we had a night man we had a night in chicago from what i remember we had an off night there. You have day games in Chicago, which are pretty challenging. But this one particular night, uh, myself, Peter Moylan, uh, which that's a piece of work in itself. We'll, we'll get back to that. With Pete. Yeah, we'll get back uh, to that. Jay Chad, some of the TV guys. We went to Gibson's, and we found someplace at a patio after that, and we were lighting up. So it was like it's going to be that kind of night where it's going to be bourbon and cigar kind of night. And that's a great, great town for an off night. So that one st- sticks out to me. Going back to, to spring training, have you eaten at a place called Captain Eddie's before? In uh, It's kind of Nokomis, North Venice. Uh-uh. Hole in the wall. All right. Try it this year. Okay. And, uh, and let me know how you like it. You're welcome. Eddie's? In advance. Yep. All right. Distant relative to Cousin Eddie, I think, from Christmas Vacation. Uh, <laughs> but Captain Eddie's, right? Different, different guy. Right. Different okay. guy. Really good operation there. We'll do it. All right. So... You know, we're going to talk about 2024 spring training. We're going to talk about the season, but let's run back the 2023 season first. And by the way, uh, all of this conversation is going to be published on the Burning Questions podcast, which is the official podcast of the LJ Cigar Lounge. If you haven't heard of that, check it out. You can go to burningquestionspodcast.com, learn everything you need to follow along. And we try to break those conversations into three different categories, right? We talk about smokes, so we've just done that. We tell a lot of stories. And then we try to dig into some substance as well, some of the weightier, or heavier, more meaningful matters of life. And uh, Ben, I, I'm thankful that you agreed to do all three of those with us here yeah. tonight. Uh, but let's talk about some stories, man. Run back the 2023 season for us. What are some of your favorite memories from this past year, both on the field and off the field? Uh, I'll start with on the field. I, I know that we, it's an industry, understandably so, where we all focus on what happened at the end. And for the longest time, I think we all thought this team was going to be going to the World Series, maybe winning it all. And what I have learned over the last two, three years, especially since 2021, all you can hope to do is get into the thing because it's such a crapshoot once you get into the playoffs. I feel like in 2021, we, th- these teams we've had the last two years were better than that 2021 team as a whole. But the 2021 team is the team that won the thing. 2022 and 2023, we, we fell short. Um, and, and it's easy to focus on that. But I, I go back and think that doesn't negate six months of unforgettable baseball moments that, that we got to experience. And there's only going to be one team that wins the thing. And that's what I've learned the most really since 2021 is how that team – I'll be honest, when we got to the postseason in 2021, we had only been good for 50 days. I mean, we had been under 500 till the first week of August, flipped it on at the right time, we got hot. We won the thing. Incredible run. But 
I would say that I didn't think we were going to get past the division round that year. I didn't think we were going to beat Milwaukee. I, I thought their pitching was way better than ours. I didn't know that we'd turn it on the way that we did. And then fast forward a year, and we had this, the 101-win campaign of 2022, and we won the division for the fifth year in a row, and we're playing the Phillies, and like we just – just had our way with these guys in the regular season. We'll beat them again. It didn't happen that way. They got hot. And then the same thing happened this year. We go out and we win 104 games this past season. And we ran away with a division that a lot of people thought it was going to be the Mets year. We buried them in June. And then we, we just ran away with a thing. And, and lo and behold, the, the Phillies get hot again. And then no one could have predicted a, a Rangers and Diamondbacks World Series. But that backs my point. You just got to get into the thing and hope that you're hot and healthy at the right time. That's what those teams were, and we certainly weren't that in 2022 with the injuries that we had to our pitching rotation. And then for 2023, we just didn't hit, which who could have seen that coming after the astronomical season we had statistically offensively. Um, but I, I look back at on the field, and I think all these great moments. I think about the, home, the 307 home runs. It was just every single night, and it's everybody in the lineup, and they, they tied a major league record for most home runs in a season. That stands out to me. Uh, I think about the, the Eddie Rosario Grand Slam in Arizona, uh, which was just uh, – that was to me was the game. We, we had a good start in the season, but that game really just put us on another level. We just took off from there. I think about the wild ending to game two of the NLDS, which was so much fun. I can't remember another time – where I was so excited and trying to get words out, and there just wasn't an ounce of oxygen in my lungs to say another word because I'm losing my mind as to the wild and uh, wacky and unpredictable way that that game ended. It was so exciting. Another thing that stands out, every single night at home, I mean, every, it could have been a Tuesday night uh, against the, I don't know, the, the Pirates, and there's 41,000 people there every single night. And we go to these places around the league, and you know, there might be 5,000 people, 8,000 people, and some of these nights where it's just a graveyard out there. We come home, and it's, it's like the Beatles are in town. I mean, it's, it's just slammed every single night. I never took that for granted. That, that I got so much energy from those crowds and, and the popularity of our team throughout the course of the season, and that's going to continue this year. I know it is. But it's so exciting because, number one, we represent a region of the country, and there aren't too many teams that have that. Uh, we pull from nine, ten different states when it comes to this region. And every kid out there wants to come see Ronald, and they want to come see Ozzy, and they want to come see Matt and Austin and Max. And it's just so much fun to see that kind of enthusiasm in the ballpark every single night. So those are the things that I think about over the course of the season. Of course, Ronald's unbelievable MVP campaign. I can't tell you – how much fun that was to bring his talent to our airways and, and, and talk about the things he was doing because every single night he's doing such another homer. It's another stolen base. It's another three-hit night. It's a great defensive play. Uh, it's another great throw from deep right to throw out a base runner at third base. And it's just like it got better every single night. I don't take those things for granted. When you get an opportunity to cover an MVP season, that's something that people will remember for a very, very long time. And he got to do something that had never happened before uh, with, with the 40-70 season. So uh, those are the things that I'll remember on the field. As far as off the field goes for 2023, we're in a position right now where we have a legend in our booth in Joe Simpson. And I love that man to to death. I mean, he's like an older brother to me. 
and he did 90 or so games, and I believe he's going to do about that again this year. But we're in a position where hopefully we don't have to think about this anytime soon, but you're kind of preparing for what might happen after that. And we're so lucky that we have so many guys to choose from. I got to work with Darren O'Day this year, who had never done any kind of broadcasting before. And he and I had had a conversation um, in the postseason the year before, and I just gauged his interest and said, I, I think you'd be really good at this if you wanted. And he loved it. And he, former player, jumped in our booth. He and I have a great relationship, had a lot of fun. Same with Kelly Johnson and Nick Green and Pete Moylan. Um, and it, I think those are the fun things about what we get to do off the air. We brought in a new TV guy this year in Brandon Gauden. And uh, anytime you're watching TV, he's such a great transition. I think going from Chip to Brandon, and I love Chip to death, but I think Brandon handled all that with, with a lot of class. And I thought it was wonderful to have him join our group, which is the most important thing to me because everybody has to be talented enough to do what they do. But we're with each other all the time. So you want to make sure somebody is a, is a good person and a good guy and, and fun to hang out with. And I, there are many times throughout the season where I just look back and thought, man, we have such a great group of people that we travel the country with and bring our fans Braves baseball. So th those relationships are the most important thing. Yeah. And, and I was actually going to ask you about that with all of the different guest analysts that you end up having in the booth. You mentioned some of them. Kelly Johnson, Nick Green, Pete Moylan, Darren O'Day, who mm -hmm. I thought did a fantastic job in his what first great? year out. Oh, yeah. great. Uh, he's also a cigar guy, which I learned, yeah. man. Got into his dad's cigars, and uh, I was listening to that radio broadcast and was like, man, we need to get Darren O'Day up here. He's that'd one be, of us. That'd be a fun yeah. time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> is it fun having that much variety, or is that challenging to try to manage different personalities and dynamics? How do you, how do you receive that? I mean, it's got its challenges just on the, the – if nothing else, just finding the, the right chemistry with somebody – uh, but that's really it. I think sometimes uh, the word challenges might be met with a, a negative connotation. That's not the case. It's just a matter of getting to know somebody and making sure that they're comfortable. Um, I, I love it because it's like I tell them all the time. I said the, the, the hardest part of your career is behind you. You've already been down there in front of 40,000 people performing. This is easy. All I need you to do is just tell me about the game that you love. Uh, and I tell people all the time, I, I have a career, but this is not work. Uh, I, I did sheetrock for six years when I was before I got into baseball. That's work. <laughs> I don't ever want to do that again. Um, this is not work. This is just fun. Uh, people tune into us and tune into our team. Uh, for multiple reasons, but a lot of those reasons are it's an escape from what they get to do. They get to dive into this team, learn these personalities, experience the ups and downs of a season, and we're the lucky ones who get to bring our listeners that. Uh, our listeners are just like us. We all love the game. We love these players. These players are individuals. They're not just numbers. They're not just statistics. These are guys that you end up pulling for. Uh, you, you, some people follow them on social media, know their, uh, their family members' names, know where they're, where they're from, things like that. Uh, and I love that we get to bring our listeners that. So uh, to me, working with that many guys, it's not that difficult. It's fun. And, and all those guys played for the Braves. So I think it's fun for our listeners to get to hear what Kelly Johnson is up to these days, to get to hear what Darren O'Day and Nick Green are up to these days. Uh, and have them give their perspective on what they're seeing and also what they experience when they're playing. I think it's a great thing for our listeners. So one of the things I learned after last year was to give you some time to actually smoke and keep your cigar lit. <laughs> so I'm going to try to do that right now. You know, when I think about you talking about going to places and there's 5,000 people or 8,000 people there, some of my favorite moments were watching a broadcast on TV 
Jarris and I usually put the kids down to bed, and baseball is awesome because our kids go to bed at 7.30 or so, and so we're able to tune on and basically see as much of the game as we want to. And so there's those times when you're watching a game and it's, you know, it's out of reach kind of in the later innings. And so we'll go ahead and start getting ready for bed. And usually at that point, I will tune on the 680 The Fan app and listen to the radio broadcast while I'm in the shower getting ready for bed. And that's when the magic really happens, I feel like, some of those late inning calls. Mm. And I can remember in Miami – which that game probably had 7,000 people there, whatever it was, and uh, somebody hit a foul ball up into the upper deck, and you made some comment of like, man, that ball's going to be up there for weeks. It might be years <laughs> before somebody finds that thing. Yeah. That was great. Another one of my favorite moments was closing up here late on a Saturday night and driving home, and it was just like God's sweetness to me because I got to hear live the call of the fan running onto the field in Tampa Bay. Yeah. And uh, I think to hear it being described as the security guard baptized him face first into the turf <laughs> was magical, man. It was so wonderful. Uh, so those are some of my favorite calls. What are some of your favorite calls from this past year, if you can call some to mind? Uh, those were good. I, and, and along those same lines, we had another incident in Denver oh, yeah. where the fans went out and actually yes. made contact yes. with Ronald Acuna. And the next day at the cage, I was talking to some of our guys about it, and um, Austin Riley tells me, he says, you won't ever see that in Atlanta. I said, why is that? He says, have you ever seen our security guard? That's right. It's like, yeah, some big guys, aren't they? He's like, they look like linebackers, and they're wearing spikes. <laughs> our security team shows up and does the game wearing football cleats. <laughs> So they they want somebody to run on the field. They, they want an opportunity to go spear some guy and be the hero. So anytime you have a fan dumb enough to go and, and jump the wall and run on the field, to me that that's fun for us because it gives us an opportunity to, uh, to kind of break out of what we normally do and bring our listening audience what is happening at the game. That's our job. Our job is not regulated to what happens inside the lines. Our job is to take – you, the fan, stick you into Section 301. And whatever we're seeing, we want to make sure you see that in, in your mind's eye. So that includes weather. That includes what's happening in the stands. That includes the fan who runs out on the field and gets speared by the security guard. So those are all fun things. So th those are – anytime those happens, I, I kind of strap on my seatbelt and say, let's go, let's get, put everything <laughs> we have into this call. Um, I, I mentioned that Rosario Grand Slam. That was a great one. I think maybe my – favorite call of the year was when we went to Dodger Stadium in I believe that was early September and there's all this talk about Mookie Betts and Ronald Acuna and I love Mookie. Mookie is one of the greatest players I've ever seen but Ronald was the best player in baseball this past year. All you had to do was watch the games um, and and the people in LA it's like the it's like the the award it was already a foregone conclusion. It's like Mookie Betts's award was going to be the MVP, and their writers, their press were treating it as much, and including saying things like "Go ahead and end this debate right now. The rest of the season doesn't matter. This is Mookie's award." And I'm thinking to myself, this this is such an arrogant take an arrogant angle on this whole thing. If Mookie were putting up the numbers that Ronald were putting up, I even as the Braves broadcaster, 
I'd be championing Mookie for what the season that he's having, the historic numbers that he's putting up, and saying, yeah, our guy's really good, but that guy over there, is, it's his season. Well, they couldn't do that. And to see Ronald go in there and have the series that he hit, I think we, we had a four-game series. I think we took three out of four, and I believe he hit three bombs. One of them was un- straightaway center. It, it was on a line the whole way. He killed it. And I just love that he pretty much sealed the MVP then on their field in front of those people, and I just thought it was tremendous. Now, so, and that's that's no um, negative statement on Mookie Betts, who is an awesome player. But I, to me, that was so much fun in terms of those calls and seeing Ronald get to uh, seventy steals and forty homers and each passing mile marker along the way. Those things stand out to me. Uh, another one that stands out, and this is a call that I didn't even get to make when um, we beat the Mets in what. 13 innings or whatever. It was a 10-9 game yeah, or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Joe had the walk-off of Ozzy's homer. And I love when Joe gets to make a walk-off. Because I get the ninth every night, which, I mean, that's what he wants. But anytime we go to extra innings, we alternate innings. I'll, I'll do He'll do the 10th, I'll do the 11th. I'll do the 12th, 13th. So when he got the home run, it was just so much fun. And, and to do it to a rival – um, every team in our division, I'd, I'd say, is a rival. But there's nothing that touches that Braves-Mets rivalry. We all love beating those guys. It's just fun. And, and I've said this before. When somebody asked me, what's your favorite rivalry? I'd say it's Braves and Mets. And, and they said, well, why is that? I said, well, number one, I feel like it's a, it's a really good matchup, the big city versus the team from the south. And, and this isn't meant negatively by any means, but I don't think that our fan base and the fan base of the Mets really have a whole lot in common. <laughs> so see, seeing those two different sides kind of go at it is really fun, bragging about their baseball team. So that adds a dynamic. So anytime you have a big call against a, a rival, that's so much fun. That makes sense. So I want to flip the script and talk about, uh, I guess, first question. Do you ever get to see Bill Plaschke? Do you ever get to like take Waffle House to him and just say, look what you're missing? I try to steer clear. Bill is Fair one enough. of the people in L.A. who is one of those uh, L.A. media members. You're, who a, really, you're a statesman. You weren't going to say it by yeah. name. I just, I'm not. No, right? I, so. I try to steer clear of, of Bill Plasky. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he cares much for us. So that's, that's his fault, I guess. It is. He's missing out. He's missing out. So I can remember, you know, there were so many high points of this past year but I think the low point for me was when the Braves went up to Toronto and yeah. it was just – it was three of the most frustrating baseball games I've ever seen, and they happened back to back to back. I mean, just three games that the Braves could have won, didn't win, a lot of unforced errors, a lot of weird stuff that happened. And I remember texting you something like, man, I need something stronger than tobacco to get through this tobacco. <laughs> like, this is, this is a mess. Yeah. Does – that's a fan's perspective, and, and you and Kevin have even said, we're fans as well. Like, we're professionals, but we're fans. Does that stuff get y'all down like it does us, or do you have a little bit more of a level-headed perspective on that? Probably a little bit more level-headed perspective. It's Look, if you lose six, seven games in a row, that's when it – because everybody's in a bad mood. Um, if you're not going well, the, the time where I hate that the most is when I have to interview the manager every single day. Because we – he will get ornery pretty quick. You could ask the greatest question in the world. It wouldn't matter. Uh, but when you're winning, everybody's in, in uh, a good mood. I think for a series like that, that's frustrating. But we play every day. And it's easy to say, well, let's just turn the page and go to the next place. And if, and if you remember, uh, and I'm pretty sure we were swept in Toronto. Yeah. Is that right? Oh, yeah. We went to Texas and took two out of three. That's right. From the team that won the World Series. And that's the 
to me, that's been one of the most impressive things about our team for the last two or three years is how quick they are to bounce back. You don't see too many long losing streaks. Uh, it's a resiliency that good teams have. So I just know that, look, that if, on the grand scheme of things, a team is really good. You're going to go through rough stretches. We took, or we, we dropped two out of three in Oakland. Um, that was, you, you'd look at that and think, this doesn't make sense. That Oakland team was horrible. There was nobody in the stands. In fact, we had to move <laughs> from our booth to the booth next door, an auxiliary booth, because they had possum infestation in the stadium, <laughs> and there was possum urine staining the carpet in the booth. It smelled horrible. <laughs> Not that I have to tell you that possum urine smells bad, but it smells really bad. And so we had. To, so I'm thinking, like, can it might we have been get there out for of years here? too, right? Probably, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So here we are, this, this smelly booth. There's nobody in the, in the seats. We dropped two out of three of the worst team in baseball, and, and then we went to Arizona and won two out of three. And um, It's just easy, I think, when you're doing it every day to turn the page and, uh, okay, you got this Max Freed's going tomorrow. Everything will be okay. Spencer Strider's going to go. You'll be okay. Um, so it, you will have losses that will frustrate you for a little while. But, you know, okay, let's just go to the next place and see what happens. Makes sense to me. One of the things that you were saying as we were prepping for this time was that you've got, you know, not just a professional relationship, but a personal relationship with most of the guys that you're going to be working with on the broadcast side, both radio and TV. I'd love to hear, uh, you know, whether it's CJ or whether it's Nick, you know, Peter, these guys that we listen to or these guys whose faces we're going to see on TV. I'd love to hear some stories that you've got that will help us get to know them and, and know them more at a personal level as we're, as we're tuning into the season this year. So share your best stories if you don't mind. Yeah, all right. Let's start with um, start with Peter Moylan. Um, wild man. Absolute wild man. You just never know what's going to happen day to day with Pete. Pete, is, Pete has this weird diet where he eats one meal a day. It's dinner. So the rest of the day he's crushing coffee and Adderall <laughs> all day which is great for about the first four innings. And then it all wears off, and, and the, the heavy meal sits in, and he's just out of gas sometimes. So that, he's, but he's a live wire, and you just never know. Every, everything he says is funny, but it's funnier when you put an Australian accent on Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And he'll say words that are, I've never heard before. In fact, he's taught me a few Australian words. One of them is, is a quote that he and I will use back and forth, this word called fair dinkum. And basically, fair dinkum means, like, are you kidding me? Are you serious? Are you fair dinkum? Um, so that's something that he's taught me. So he'll teach me little Australian words and, and sayings, I guess, that are fun to use back and forth with him. Uh, Darren O'Day, I, I've, <laughs> I, I laugh just thinking about him because he, similarly to Peter, you never know what he's going to do, what he's going to say. There was a time we were in Kansas City this past season, and, you know, for, for me, even if you're a former player, when your playing days are done, the clubhouse rules are different. You can go in there and the rest of the media goes in there. It's like players can do whatever they want during their playing days. But once they're out, it's kind of they're another media member. And don't tell that to Darren. We're in the seventh inning of a game at Kansas City. It's getaway day. We're flying to San Diego after the game. We had smoked the Royals in the first two games. We're up big in the third game. And we're in the commercial break of, of maybe the seventh inning. So we're about to sweep the Royals. And he turns to me and he says, like, oh, you know what we need? I'm like, what? He's like, we need bus beers. I was like, where are you going to get them right now? I'm like, the clubhouse. He gets up and goes down to the clubhouse <laughs> and, and gets us six beers and brings it back. And we finish the game. And 
that's how his mind works. Is like we're winning the game. We got to have beers after the game. So that that's him, and he can do things as a former player that we never could. And he comes back and he's got this bag full of beers and acts like he's the conquering hero coming back up to the booth with these cold beers. Uh, so that's a good one to describe him. And he's always down. The answer is always yes for Darren. We got an off night. We're going to go to this restaurant. Yes. Yeah, you know, tell him what, what restaurant it is. Uh, he's always game for that. Really good golfer. Knows all the players. Uh, has a great relationship with all them. Everybody loves Darren. Uh, for Kelly Johnson, Kelly is Kelly knows everybody. I mean everybody. Uh, to the point where one time we were sitting around. We were, in, we were playing in Texas. And after the game, we're at the hotel. And they have this really cool back porch of this hotel we stayed in with this big fireplace and all that. We're hanging out. And he... I don't think he meant to, but he can. He'll say, "Oh yeah, well, I know this guy, or I met this guy." I don't high profile names, and I think Jay Chad asked him. He said something about like, "Who's the most, uh, who's the most well known guy that that you feel like you could text right now or, or reach out to right now?" And he didn't say that he had this guy's name in his phone, but he made it feel like if he had to get in touch with this guy, I think he could. It was President George Bush. I'm <laughs> like. That's, that's amazing. That's kind of cool. Yeah. He's just throwing out presidents. Um, I think he told me he had met him a handful of times. But he's got a story for everything. You'll, you'll name a player, and he's got a story about that guy or about this place or whatever. And he's got some great, great stories. So that's a, that's a good rundown of those guys. And then for Joe, Joe's very similar in that regard. Joe has been around the game for a century, it seems like. He knows everybody. If you've seen the, the George Brett clip of when he storms out of the dugout at Yankee Stadium and he's going crazy because of the pine tar incident, Joe was the one holding him back. He was teammates with George Brett. Joe was the one holding George Brett when he's losing his mind at That's Yankee awesome. Stadium. He's got a million stories just like that, and he's got a mind like a steel trap. He remembers them all, and he has a, a very strong reverence for the game and how he believes the game is supposed to be played, and I appreciate that a lot uh, from the people that he learned from, whether it be people in the Braves organization or the Dodgers organization or the Royals or Mariners organizations uh, from his playing days. So I, I appreciate that so much, and I think that's one of my favorite things about the guys I work with is that they are direct links to periods of the game, historic moments of the game, and they're eyewitnesses of said moments that they can tell me firsthand stories about and, and furthermore do that with our listening audience, which I think is really cool. So Kevin's here. What's your best Kevin story? Rev Kev, Kevin oh, McAlpin. That's a good question. Um, Kevin, Kevin is my first year here was in 2011. Kevin joined us the very next year. And spring training is a time where we're all together. We're all splitting a house. I mean, it's almost like college to a degree. It's like six weeks of college with baseball mixed in. And I could tell right away that, that Kevin was going to be fitting right in. And I knew we were going to have a really good time. But I'll, I'll never forget how absolutely hammered we were after we won the World Series and our walk from the party back to the hotel how we didn't fall into traffic, I don't, I don't know. But I've said it before, it's the best hangover I ever had. But um, there's, there's just a lot along the way. I, as far as specific stories, I'd have to get there and really start thinking. Um, I think about driving to, to Lakeland, Florida in 2020 when we found out that we're probably going to be banged for COVID, not knowing when we're going to be going back to work. We're in the seventh inning of that game. They came on the intercom and said at the conclusion of the game, that's it. 
and all the memories that you have over your time at a place, Kevin's there for all of them. And it, it's been between Kevin and, and our producer, Jonathan, myself, some of the others, it's, it's kind of like, not to get cheesy, but it's kind of like a brotherhood. I mean, yeah. we, we, we text every day in a group text, all of us do, in season, out of season, and, and just have a, a, great, a great time. So I, I've said it before, the game is fun. The job is fun. Bringing our team to our, our audience is fun, but the relationships are the best part. And I think when we get down to spring training every year, that's the best part is seeing everybody again. Like, we're back. Here we go. So the, the whole group's back together, and Kevin's as big a part of that as anybody. All right, man. Before we get into a 2024 preview, we're doing a spring training trip as the lounge. We're going to go down. It was in Tampa, right? It's in Tampa. Yeah, we're going to be in Ebor. Spend a couple nights in Ebor. But we're doing a party bus on that Tuesday. It's the Tigers game on March 5th. We're going to take a party bus from Ebor down to Northport. We've got the VIP experience. We're going to be on the field before the game. Uh, we are going to you know, do the J.C. Newman factory tour, which I told you about last year. Mm -hmm. It's an absolute blast. If folks are on the fence, and we don't have a ton of space, we've got a little bit of space left that we could probably work it out, give – your sales pitch for me and for us, why folks should consider hanging out in Florida for us in March. Oh, this will be this is easy. First and foremost, if you've never been and you go for the first time, you're gonna want to go again. Uh, when you get off the plane in Florida, I don't know what the weather will be like here or in Atlanta. I know when I go to Florida, I'm flying down on the twenty first. The day that I get off the plane, it's springtime. It doesn't matter what the weather is back in Atlanta, it's Florida, it feels great. When you walk up to the field and you hear Mitch popping and you hear bats cracking for the first time in four months, that's pretty cool. And then for these games, um, it, it, it's so unique because people will come down and it's the complete opposite of what you experience during the regular season. It's a stadium that's in this little town and everybody is there. All the, the entire team, the entire organization is there. And it's like it's your own little VIP tour to the team, uh, which you would not get if you're going to a regular season game, I feel. Uh, so it's, it's a lot more intimate. You get a chance to be very close to players. You get to watch players. You get to see players that you might not see the rest of the year because you might think of a young prospect who will be at A-ball or double-A this year. He'll be there, and you get to watch him. Uh, I think about the 16-year-old the shortstop that we just signed in the international draft that people asking me about him. I said, I don't know anything about him. never seen him. He, he's 16. What do I know about that guy? But I'll see him at spring training, and that'll make it real. I remember the first time I saw Ozzy Albies at spring training. He was 17. I remember the first time I saw Michael Harris. He was 19. And I think like, Oh, we got something here. Uh, this, so you get a chance to see the next big thing before they get to Atlanta. You see that trajectory. So I think that's I think that's terrific. And you mix that in with you can go away and go to the beach. It's right down the street. Lots of good restaurants, things like that. Um, and I like that area of Florida very much. I think it's a really pretty area of that state. Not near as busy as where we were in Orlando. If you went to Miami and things like that. Um, so just a really pretty area, and I think people will really enjoy that kind of access to our team if it came down. Makes sense to me. So I'm excited about that trip and thrilled about the 2024 season in general. Uh, and you're right. I feel like I'm almost more excited about spring training than I am about the regular season at this point, which is weird, but you just put to words what I feel. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about the 2024 season, what's coming down the pike. You know, what new additions – are you most excited about that the team has made this year? 
I think the thing that stood out the most to me about what we were missing last year was maybe a little bit more out of the bullpen. I think our guys in the pen did a pretty good job, but we got to the postseason, and whether it was the Phillies who were playing in the divisional series or other teams that you're watching play other series, it seemed like every single team had guy after guy after guy throwing 98, 99, 100. I mean, just flamethrowers. We didn't, we didn't quite have that. Um, so some of the guys that we have added, I mean, think about Ronaldo Lopez, whether they use him as a starter or not, we'll have to wait and see. I think he's a great addition to the bullpen. Um, Aaron Bummer and, and some of these other additions to the pen I think will be really, really important. Um, you need a rock-solid pen, especially in this day and age of baseball. So that's a big addition. I think the Chris Sale addition is interesting. I don't know what he will – I don't know what he will have. We will see if he's healthy. Obviously, you like his chances to be a, a great contributor to this rotation. And it's a rotation that should be good. But I think we all went into the offseason feeling like you needed to add a little bit more depth to the rotation. And this was the move they were able to make. I was a little bit surprised. There are a few other moves that I thought might happen. I was really thinking the Aaron Nola move might happen. I know that he and Rick Kranitz, who is the biggest cigar guy in our traveling party, our pitching coach, I mean, two and three cigars a day. You want a good guy to talk cigars with is Rick Kranitz, if you can see him at spring training. Get him up here, man. That'd be awesome. Yeah, it would yeah, be yeah, great. Yeah, be that would be great. But it, he and, and Aaron are really tight from his days coaching in Philadelphia. That's a, that's a, a splash I thought we would be able to pull off. Didn't happen. But I still like what we have done. And it's a team that won 104 games last year. And you start to think, well, you're pretty much bringing that entire group back. So you have extremely high expectations. But what are you come October? And there's no way to know. We don't even know we're going to be come, come April. But I think what they have done is add some very necessary pieces to uh, bridge some gaps. And once you get closer to the trade deadline, you can further identify what do we really need come October and hopefully they can make a trade at that point if they need something. But uh, the, the most exciting thing going for this franchise to me is the the young position players who are going to be here for a long time. I mean, you look at the ages of Michael Harris and Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies and Austin Riot. All these guys are in their 20s, and they have long-term deals. So that's that's pretty exciting stuff. So you feel really good about the core of what you got, and if you can add a few pieces here along the way, that just continues to sharpen your overall product. And I think they've done that with their additions to the bullpen. Do you feel like there's any holes on the roster that need to be filled? Or are there any current, you know, pieces or players that you're concerned about for the 2024 season? I wouldn't say concerned. I'll be curious to see what it's like to to look at Jared Kelnick in left field. Yeah. And there's so much potential there. Former first-round pick, still very young, and a, a guy that had some frustrating days in Seattle, and we've said it all the time, sometimes a change of scenery does a guy wonders. And I think it will help anybody who's leaving a place and coming to Atlanta because I've seen the chemistry that our guys have in the clubhouse and so many times that's such a cliche and some to roll your eyes at and maybe that is in other sports but it, it, in baseball it's so important you're around each other every single day if you don't like each other if you're getting on each other's nerves in May that's not going to change you're going to really hate each other by the time you get to August and the thing that brings teams together ultimately more than anything more than attitudes or chemistry or personality is wins so this team has been doing that and, and I think 
having that guy join this club, I think it's going to give him the best environment to succeed. And we'll see if he can put it all together because I don't know about you, but when I was 24, 25 years old, I was a long way from figuring things out. And I think it's no different for a Major League Baseball player. This is a hard thing these guys do. This is a really hard game, and I don't care what your age is. I don't think we should ever, as fans, lose sight of how challenging this game is and how much of a grind it is every single day to go out there and post and perform and put up numbers. And they've done a great job of that. So I'll be curious to see how that rubs off on him. What is your projection for, I guess, two different levels, right? Anybody that you project to have a monster breakout year this year? Or, you know, you can also talk in terms of team. What's your, what's your overall projection for the team as we're looking at 2024? Well, it, it's hard to get away from the 100 win mark. And that might seem a little bit outrageous to say, well, your expectation is 100 wins. But that's what this team's done the last two years. They got 205 wins in the last two seasons, so it's hard to expect otherwise. Now, in order to do that, you know, there's a couple of factors that you can't control. Number one is health. Uh, these guys have to be healthy. And, and at the same time, I think you need to catch other teams at the right time as well. So um, it's a rotation that I'm excited about. I think that Max Freed going into a free agency offseason next year will have a lot to prove. Uh, not that he hasn't proven enough already, but you know how that motivates players, and, and it should. I mean, it's the business side of things. They're pitching for their future. So between him, uh, Spencer Strider, uh, we'll see what kind of uh, advances Bryce Elder makes as he was, was really rock solid for about four months last year, but at the end of the day, he's 24 years old, and I think uh, there's a lot that he learned, and I think he'll continue to do really well. We'll see what happens with Chris Sale and Charlie Morton. Um, but I'm excited about those guys, and, and I think that as, as long as all those guys are healthy, it, it's hard not to expect another 95-100 to 100 win season or more, another division championship. And I know that Philadelphia is, is going to be really, really tough, and, and New York's hoping to bounce back, and Miami improved last year. But the standard's the standard. The expectation's the expectation. And when you've won six straight division titles and a World Series in that mix, that's your expectation every single year. So if that's what their expectation is, then I would say that's what my expectation is of them. Sounds good to me. I'm excited. Anything else we should know about the 2024 Braves? I don't think so. Just whatever else you need to know, we'll tell you on the radio. So just <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So, you know, I'll give you another smoke break here while I uh, – Get your light, by the way. Yeah, I do. Hang on just a second. It's going to be a toss. Let's you ready? Go. Yeah. Whatever. That was a bad toss. Been covered for me. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate <laughs> you. you. Appreciate you keeping my credibility in front of our audience <laughs> here. <laughs> to be fair, I've got stuff in my lap like I'm not getting from a true, uh, a true stretch. So good coverage by Ben. So, you know, you talked last year about your preparation process and how you do so much homework trying to get ready for broadcast and trying to get ready for games. Uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to honor you in doing the same thing, getting ready for tonight. And, you know, one of the things that I did, knowing that Kevin was going to be here, and originally Ricky Mast, who's the uh, Braves, uh, social media is what I call yeah. him, but digital marketing, is that right, his title? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he was going to be here tonight. Uh, Ricky, we miss you. Hope you're doing well. And, you know, I tried to listen to an interview that you did with Ricky all the way back in 2019, which seems like it's a whole other world. It was pre-COVID. Yeah. It was right after the Braves made a excruciating NLDS exit against the Cardinals in 2019. Uh, but I listened to that interview trying to get to know Ricky a little bit more, trying to get to know you a little bit more, trying to get to know you and Ricky's chemistry a little bit more. And there was a really cool story in that uh, that seemed pretty off the cuff, but I wanted to talk about it here tonight as we talk through some substance this evening. 
you know, in that episode that I listened to, which if you're not listening to Behind the Braves and From the Braves booth, you should go ahead and subscribe to those podcasts. They're excellent, excellent pieces of content the Braves put out. But listening to that Behind the Braves episode, you know, you were talking about the fact that you came out of college, you worked in independent ball for a little bit, Mm -hmm. and then in the mid-2000s, you were out of baseball for a year. Mm -hmm. And Ricky asks you, hey, if you don't mind me asking, what were you doing that year that you were out of the game? And you actually shared, you know, I was in a really bad spot. Uh, I was, you know, struggling to find my way in life. I didn't have the greatest relationship with my parents, with my family. Felt like I was in a little bit of a tailspin and, and, and sort of took some steps back to work on myself. And you had said that one of the things that happened through that year was that you rediscovered your Christian faith. You said your yeah. dad was a, a pastor and yeah. grew up around that and with that, but that was a year that you really made it your own. And from that, you said, I found purpose in life, found meaning in life, but also reconciled with my parents. Uh, really, that was sort of the turning point in your life and therefore in your career. So, bro, I, I'd love to hear a little bit more of that story as much, yeah. as, you're, as, much as you're comfortable sharing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was 2006. So I would, the, the two years prior, and um, any, anybody who's pursuing what we do, it, it's, it's intimidating because uh, no, you want to be – calling games at the highest level. You want to be in the big leagues or the NFL or the NBA or uh, on networks. And you're, you're doing this hoping that that works out. And there, there's no guarantee. It, it, it's far from, you know, climbing the corporate ladder. You know, if I get this job at this company or this firm, if I do this, then they'll promote me to this. And if I do this, they'll promote me to that. And there's no guarantee of that by any means in what we do. Uh, so I was – I'm the oldest of three – I was. I had a very rebellious um, teen in college uh, time of my life. Not that I necessarily regret it, but I mean, I had a lot of fun. Um, met a lot of good people, but at the same time, I, I was really kind of directionless in a lot of ways. And I guess what I mean by that is my my priorities were just way off, way off. And I don't know that I necessarily valued my, my friends, my family. Uh, anything I was doing in my career, I felt like I was a pretty selfish person, to be quite honest. Uh, but I was a kid. And in 2004, I did independent baseball for a season. 2005, I got a job uh, in Eugene, Oregon, moved out there, was with the uh, Padres A-ball team. And I was dating a girl the whole time, and I came back home. And that we got engaged, and that whole thing fell apart. And it was a tailspin for me. I didn't know at the time that that was a, a good thing. It, in, the, in the time, it felt really embarrassing, to be quite honest. And the team in Oregon wanted me to come back out to be their broadcaster for the following year. And in the midst of all of that, I, I just didn't think I was in a good spot to, to, to leave. I, I, was, I just felt directionless, if that makes any sense. And I, I made a mistake. I, I should have gone back out to Oregon and just focus, kind of just – really buried myself into the career, but I didn't know, I didn't know what my future held. I kind of tied my future to what she and I were doing and that, that kind of busted up and I was out of baseball and I just didn't like the person that I was. I didn't like the, the, the way that I was treating my, my friends, I guess you might say. I kind of took everybody for granted. And I think it was in that time that I really refocused on what I needed to do, what I wanted to do, what my goals were. I don't know that I'd really put my goals out there. I knew what I wanted to do, but I don't think I really put a whole lot of thought into how I was going to make that happen. And, and tying in the faith and all that to it, I knew that I had specific gifts and I just wanted to use them. Um, I just wanted to feel like what I was doing had purpose. I felt like 
what I was, what I wanted to do, and and the talents that I had been given needed to be used and not wasted. And I just felt like what I needed to do was really rededicate myself to what I was doing, really focus on uh, the craft and try to get back into baseball. But at the same time, and more so than any of that, was really dig into my friendships, the relationships, and being the kind of person that I wanted to be around. Uh, and I don't know that I was really that. I think I had to learn that. And I think in 2006, that was really the journey that I kind of went on. And it was just by kind of a, a lucky break that I ended up in the Braves organization. The Mississippi Braves had been there since 2005 in my hometown. And the guy who was calling their games, he and I knew of each other. And he reached out to me and said, like, man, I'm I, I'm overloaded on minor league baseball. He said, I'm also doing high school basketball, high school football, and junior college football come the fall. And this is just too much on me. So if you wouldn't mind, would you do high school men's and women's basketball? And if you do a good enough job, I'd like to bring you on as my number two with the Mississippi Braves. And I couldn't believe it because I felt like I was a million miles away from where I wanted to be. I wanted to be in the big leagues, and I just felt like I was so far from that. And when this door opened, it came along the same time as I was really realigning with what I wanted to do with my life. Because I think for anybody who's 24, 25, 26 years old, that can be a tough time because you're out of college. It's time to really rubbers meet in the road. You got bills. I mean, I didn't have parents paying for stuff like that. I had to figure things out. And I knew I didn't want to work with the construction company that I was at for the rest of my life. Nothing against construction, but I just knew that I was... I needed to be in a booth. That's what I felt like I was going to be best doing. So uh, along that time, I called men's and women's basketball. The guy liked my work. He brought me in with the Mississippi Braves. He was, after that next season, he decided he didn't want to do baseball anymore, and I became their guy in 2008. That was my first year as the full-time guy with the Braves AA team, and I've been in the Braves organization ever since. So coming out of that and, and really kind of getting my feet firmly on a path that led to where I am right now, um, I look back on that a lot and just see how far I was from where I am right now and think that it wasn't just me and my hard work that kind of helped get me through that. I think there was a, a lot of digging into my faith and really God showing me, okay, th this is this is the way right here. And this is what you're supposed to. This is what you're supposed to do. And along the way, you're supposed to be a good representation and be a good person along the way and, and do your best to be a light in that world. And uh, I've never forgotten about that. And I, in in the meantime, I've made some awesome friends along the way. And uh, one of them sitting in here in the room tonight is J.P. Shadrick. He works for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He and I were in the Southern League together, and he and I have been great. We hit it off, I mean, day one. And I, I think for ever since then, I've got – there's so many people that I've had meaningful relationships with, and that means the most to me. And that was going to be my follow-up question, was in addition to that Mississippi Braves contact, any specific – mentors or brothers or, or conversations that you can point to and say, this was really formative. This was really helpful. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I had, when I was in high school, I had my first, I guess you kind of call people mile markers along the way to kind of point you in the right direction. And I had my first one of those when I was 17 years old. It's a guy who called uh, Juco in high school football back home, a guy named Lee Adams. And he was living in a home that my dad owned that he was renting it out from. And my dad introduced him to me and said, hey, my son is interested in this industry. 
he went out of his way and kind of took me under his wing and, and was, and I say this in a good way, but he was really hard on me to teach me the ropes of what was good, what was bad and, and really helped me along the way. He's certainly one. And, and I mentioned the, the Southern league and, and JP and I've talked about this multiple times. We were loaded with great broadcasters in that league. I mean, some guys have gone on to do some really extraordinary things. And, and those years are really uh, important to me because I think about the relationships that we had because we were all pushing each other to be better. We're all listening to each other's stuff. Um, I, I've, we, we've got between myself and JP, who's here in the room doing NFL games and, and college football games. We had Joe Davis in our league at that point, and he's Fox's number one baseball guy now. Uh, we had Mick Gillespie, who's done some stuff with the Cubs, and he's just a great student of broadcasting himself. Uh, we had Wayne Randazzo in the league, who is now the lead TV voice for the Angels. Uh, we had uh, – who am I forgetting, JP? Who, Tommy Thrall, who's now with the Reds. He was in that league. Um, who's the guy who went to Virginia Tech? Um, yeah, John Laser. He was in that league. He went to Virginia Tech, was their guy. So we had a bunch of really eager broadcasters, guys who had very similar dreams. It wasn't just, oh, I hope this works out. We, we had some killers in that league, man. I mean, guys who are trying to really be the absolute best, and I think that pushed all of us. And I've thought about that a lot. I kind of liken it to uh, law school maybe or, or, or you know some kind of um, – advanced learning institute where you're around people who would one day go on to be really good things. And I think that pushed a lot of us. So I've thought about that a lot. And then in my time in Atlanta, um, I, I think Don Sutton was a huge uh, influence on me and I, I miss him every single day, but he, he was so good at not just teaching you the game of broadcasting, but I think he helped me a lot when it came to teaching me how the day-to-day -day life works in the big leagues and uh, how to, to navigate through that maneuver. So th those are all people along the way who have helped in major, major ways in one way or the other. So going back to family, you said that you got some of your grandfather's pipes this yeah. past year. You actually reached out to us for some pipe tobacco and kind of some, some starter points on that. How cool is it for you to be smoking and using a family heirloom? It is pretty cool. Um, my, my grandfather, my mom's dad, he passed when I was almost seven years old. And you don't think that you'd have too many really vivid memories from when you're that young, but I do with him. And, and he smoked everything. I mean, to a fall, he was a heavy cigarette smoker. <laughs> and he loved his tobacco in various fashions. And he passed when I was a kid. My grandmother, when, before she passed away in 2018, she had a, a bunch of his things and she kind of divvied some things up, and we all knew that her time was coming close. And she passed, she handed a, a box of things to me that she wanted me to have that were my grandfather's. And in there were two Dr. Grabo pipes. And you can look on the boxes like from the 60s. Um, and so I thought, well, why wouldn't I smoke these? That's when I reached out to you because I've never smoked a pipe before. I've, I've smoked a million cigars, a handful of cigarettes if I'm hammered, things like that, <laughs> back in the college days. Um, but I thought, why wouldn't I smoke these pipes that my, my pop had? So that's when I kind of I got on YouTube and learned how you pack a pipe and things like that. And I've smoked those pipes probably, I don't know, eight, nine times, most recently in November. And any time I do, I just think that's, he was holding this 50 years ago. And I, I just love that my grandmother had the insight to hand them to me, knowing that it wouldn't just be cool for me to have them, but that I'd probably use them. Yeah. And uh, I've got both of those that I've smoked a few times. That's fantastic. 
how does because because you know anybody who's talked to me for more than about ten minutes, I'll wax poetic about how cigar smoking just makes me a a more focused, more diligent, more caring, more aware person, better self stewardship, uh, all of that sort of stuff. How does how does cigar smoking, pipe smoking, whatever it is, how does it improve your quality of life? How does it just help you do what you do and and be a better version mm. of Ben? I, I think it allows you, especially for me. To, to really enjoy specific moments more. Um, I think anytime if I'm smoking a cigar, it's typically with people that I want to be hanging around or in a place where I, it's, it's a nice, peaceful moment or sometimes a combination of those two things. And I think it just helps you enjoy time away from the world a little bit more. It just enhances that. So whether that's an off night, we're in some town and we had a day game that day or an off day and we're enjoying a cigar after a meal or whether I'm with my buddies back home around a campfire or if I'm at duck camp or whatever it may be, it just enhances that moment where they're usually there are moments that you want to savor. Usually there are moments that you look forward to. Um, not to say that I wouldn't enjoy getting home after a game and lighting up a cigar, but I think the ones that really stick to me are the, the moments that you want to savor with people that you enjoy being around, and it just overall enhances that moment. So last question I've got for you is is related to that, but you were really excited to come back here, right? You were excited oh, to yeah. come back this year. You were excited enough to bring a buddy of yours, a couple buddies now it seems like, which is pretty pretty special to me. Um, why do you love this place, and why do you love these people, and, and how does this help you as you're about to go – into spring training, if that makes sense. Here are my two favorite things about this place. Well, three things. Number one, this facility is unbelievable. This is such a nice place. Um, I've got a couple of cigar places in, in Buckhead, close to where I live. And they're nice places, but there's nothing like this. I mean, this, this is special. Uh, to come to a place like this, uh, seeing people that you regularly see and having you know relationship and smokes and talks with, with people like that. But more than anything... I think what's so neat about this is is what I get to sit here in front of you, I'm getting to see the people that I'm actually speaking to on the radio. You guys care. I mean, you guys like our team. You like our product. Um, so I, I think from that perspective alone, we feel, even if we haven't officially met or spoken a whole lot more than a, a nice to know you or get to meet you or whatever, you, you feel like there's common ground there. And, and I like that. And, and finally, I think the fellowship of all this is so good where um, – I, I don't get this all the time. Usually the fellowship that I have is with a couple of buddies that I work with, and it's the same little crew no matter where we go. And that's great, and I'm very appreciative of that. But when you get to expand that, um, and, and you've introduced me to so many people in here, I love that fellowship. I think that's so great. And to ultimately, I think more than anything, that's what we're here for. It's to have that fellowship with each other, treat each other well, make sure that everybody's good. How can I help you? you how can you help me? That kind of thing. And it's just good to have that, have that community. And, and it, this town itself really reminds me a lot of the town that I grew up in. So I, I live in the city, but man, I love getting out of the city anytime I get an opportunity to. I love my off-season, getting to go back home to Mississippi and hang out for long stretches of time. In fact, I'm going to be doing that here in about a week or so. So this is a kind of a warm reminder of all of that, and it just kind of a makes you feel at home. So I, I appreciate this kind of fellowship in this town and such a great facility and how great you all are. It's great to be with you anytime we get an opportunity to do that. Man, I'm glad you're here. And uh, glad for your fellowship, glad that you enjoyed this place, and I can speak for everybody here, but I'll speak for myself. You're welcome here anytime. Thank you. Glad you feel home. Hope that you'll continue to feel at home here. Absolutely. Yeah, Can't man. wait to do it again. Sounds, sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. Ben, thanks for your time tonight, and uh, y'all give it up for Ben Ingram.
Thanks for listening to this special episode of the Burning Questions podcast. Be sure to visit burningquestionspodcast.com to subscribe to our podcast, as well as to get caught up on past episodes. If you've got a question you'd like to ask or an idea for a future episode of ours, please email hello at burningquestionspodcast.com. And as always, we'd love to have you stop by and say hello to us at the LJ Cigar Lounge, located on the square in beautiful downtown LJ. On behalf of all of us at the LJ Cigar Lounge, my name is Davis Lacey, thanking you for tuning in to the Burning Questions Podcast. <laughs>